0: careful saying it's your time though don't you because although it's my time i don't really want it to be my time if you know what i mean you know tommy i'm really grateful for you doesn't he do an awesome job he really does and uh i tell you he's got a pretty awesome voice sounds so good up here but thank goodness for those ladies they make you look better So, yeah, glad to see everybody this morning. Let me uh, encourage you, if you would, to be praying for uh, one of my dear friends' uh, family, Brother David Self, one of our associational mission strategists over in the Washington Association, passed away last night from COVID. Um, Last week, a dear friend of mine from Dudley, Georgia, passed away from COVID. They had his funeral service this past Wednesday. His name is Bill Smith, a fine strapping young man. Um, and so when you hear this kind of thing going on, it's a little disconcerting, isn't it? Uh, it, it will really shake you to your core. Uh, last uh, August, I was blessed to be in the hospital for about six days with COVID. And uh, God brought me through it, thank goodness. I, I guess I'm just too mean and stubborn. Uh, I, I like to hang around. Of course, I wasn't finished eating yet and uh so i lost 35 pounds to get but i gained it all back so you know anyway i'm glad to see you today let's be praying for brother scotty who's on the road today is my understanding and and what a blessing that he's been able to go back and participate in a vow renewal is my understanding so that's awesome and uh he says so many good things about you guys i want you to know that um in fact he told me to ask you for a raise for him um not really please please don't I uh, I don't want to get Scotty in trouble he did not say that okay he did not say that at all but um, what a hoot he is I just I enjoy him so very much and he's just such a blessing to me and I'm so grateful that he has allowed me to come and fill the pulpit this morning you know when I went to be a pastor uh, in a couple churches, one thing I told them when I went, you know, it, it doesn't. A lot of things that I don't really care that much about. We can do this, or we can do that, or we can do the other. But one thing I want control of, and that is who stands in my pulpit, because I don't want anybody standing up with false teaching or uh, bringing you things that don't necessarily are that are not necessarily true, or maybe an opinion, or or whatever the case may be. When we stand in the pulpit, we need to bring to you God's word. God's unadulterated, inspired, inerrant, infallible word. In fact, when my wife and I had our first date, I'll never forget. She lived on Halston Road in, uh, between Macon, Georgia and Warner Robins, Georgia. And I went and picked her up for our first date. And we drove up to the, there was a red light right down the street from her house. So I went and got her, got her in the car and we got to the red light and I looked at her and I said, Tell me what you believe about God's Word. She said, I believe it's the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God. And I said, we can go on a date then. <laughs> and, uh, and we did, and here we are 33 years later. Have mercy. Uh, apparently she did believe that. She believes in grace and mercy because she certainly has extended it to me, and I'm very grateful for that. Thank you for being here. I, it is a Labor Day weekend. I know that the virus has people shaking in their boots, but you know, we don't have to fear, do we? We really don't. God is in control, and I'm so grateful. He's been in control in so many areas of my life. that This is just one more situation where God is still in control, and I'm grateful for that. So I wanted to talk to you this morning about something that's very special to my heart. This isn't just something that was pulled out of the air. This is kind of where I've been lately. And, uh, you know, we have a counseling ministry called Pathway Christian Counseling, and I, I want to ask you to be praying for us. We also have a, a ministry called Pathway Corporate Care, where I serve as a corporate chaplain to business and industry in our area. But we, we're about to start something brand new, and I'm so excited about this. It's called The Great Exchange. You know, uh, the scripture says that he became sin so that we could become his righteousness. You know, there's nothing we could do for our eternity except that. A man that came and lived perfection, uh, a man that was also God and then in turn exchanged his righteousness for our sin. He was punished for our sin. So it's called the Great Exchange, but it's a drug and alcohol intensive outpatient program. And so we're starting that on September the 20th. It will run three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 9 until 12. We've hired a certified addiction counselor to come in and teach that who is a strong Christian, also a pastor's wife. And uh, I'm really, really grateful for her. Her name is Kim Shook and she'll be with us uh, starting on the 20th of September. Something else has happened that we're grateful about, we need your prayers about, and that is the fact that my wife, who was a 37-year career nurse in labor and delivery, decided she was ready to retire. Now, something's wrong with this picture. I'm five years older than her. And she's ready to retire. So she retired, and I put her to work. So she is now our office administrator at Pathway Christian Counseling, so I'm very grateful for that. I was getting so uh, deep in everything that was going on there, but I'm so grateful for what God is doing. But God is doing something else in my life as well, and it's in in dealing with counseling clients, and I want to go a little bit beyond that and say that actually it's in dealing with everybody. One of my favorite characters in Scripture is a guy named David. David, And you know, David was called a man after God's own heart. But David was also the one who committed adultery with Bathsheba. David was also the one that did this and that and the other. And I could tell you all the things that David did that were wrong, but for some reason he was still called a man after God's own heart. One of my favorite songs ever was written by a guy named Gary Chapman. I don't know if if you're old enough to remember all that, but he wrote a song called A Man After Your Own Heart. And it went like this, and it was kind of telling David's story. So you can hear David all through this. Oh God, Father in heaven and earth, I call to you like deep calls to deep over water. Show me your endless measure of grace. Anybody besides me here need that? Let tender mercy shine once again from your holy face. And then he says, deep in my soul there's a craving to please the one who has saved me. Oh God though I have fallen so far you know that I'm still a man after your own heart can you relate to this I am driven by rivers of pride you are my rescue the maker and the keeper of my life lead me by the still waters again use me in spite of the prodigal child that you know I am just as a deer runs to water so does my soul to you father Oh God, though I have wandered so far, you know that I'm still a man after your own heart. How in the world could somebody like David be a man after God's own heart? Well, actually Paul referred to him that way. Did you know that? If you look at Acts chapter 13, verses 16 to 23, I want to read that verse for you just a little bit and you'll see what we're talking about. Standing up, it says, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. For about 40 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness. And he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. And all this took about 450 years. All the time, though, remember, they were grumbling. Oh, we liked it better in Egypt. We liked it better before you brought us out of there to go to the promised land. Always grumbling. All I can figure is they were Jewish Baptists. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. Now listen to this. After removing Saul, he made David their king, and here it is. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse. And there's that phrase, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus as he promised. Now, you know something? Let me tell you why this is special to me. We're going to talk about what is a man after God's own heart look like? And by the way, in, in this context today, the, this means woman as well. What is a woman after God's own heart, a man after God's own heart? Somebody asked me when I was in school studying to be a counselor, they asked me this question. Well, what kind of counseling are you going to specialize in? I'm really not an arrogant person. I, I don't think I am anyway. But I, I answered them with this, this answer. You know, what kind of counseling are you going to specialize in? I said, uh, all of it. <laughs> they said, what do you mean all of it? And I got to thinking about that thing. And I said, well, you know, the answer is always the same. It's always the same. And it's this. What is your relationship with Jesus Christ? Where do you stand in your relationship with God Almighty through Jesus, His Son? So this morning, when I say to you, what does it take to be a man after God's own heart? The first thing I would tell you is this. Number one, the priority of our life is a personal relationship with the Lord. Now, let me say this to you real quickly. I grew up in a church back in Dublin, Georgia, that I thought was, uh, it was just amazing to me. But then as I grew and as I matured, I realized that all of those people, most of those people at least, probably 90-95% of them, were simply following the motions They were simply just going through the motions but their relationship with Christ really was not even there. They dotted their I's, they crossed their T's. You remember when the old envelopes, uh, offering envelopes in Sunday school used to say, attended, Bible read daily, um, giving, read lesson. It's all those things that we're supposed to do to be in relationship with the Lord, right? Those things are not, Putting us in good relationship with the Lord. Do you understand? Those are works. Amen. And we're saved by grace through faith, not works, lest any man should boast. So, this morning, when we talk about a relationship, I don't want to know how many times you come to church. I don't want to know how many times you get, take groceries to your neighbor, although those are good things. But let me tell you, coming to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. You're exactly right. No, that's not it at all. It's all about a personal relationship with Christ. So I want to get deeper with you today. I want to go beyond the church attendance. I want to go beyond doing all the right things. I want to go beyond having a good reputation in the community and all that stuff. I want to get into your heart this morning and I want to ask you, do you have a personal relationship with Christ? Now, there's something that, that I use in witnessing to people that I want to share with you this morning. It's called the one verse method. And I want you to check yourself and see if you have a personal relationship with Christ because if that is not intact We need not go any further We need to stop right here and check that out the scripture says for the wages of sin is death But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord now stop and think about this with me What does the word wages mean? What does the word wages mean that's our paycheck right? That's something we've earned and deserved, and it's the law that I get it. Now, when I started my first job, I'll never forget this. It was awesome. I was one of the best-paid teenagers in high school. because, see, I was making $2.48. Now, that's back when minimum wage was $1.60. But here's the deal. When, if they didn't give me my $2.48 an hour, I could have sued them. Because it's the law that we get what we deserve, right? It's the law that we get what we earn. Well, guess what? There's some wages in this, in this verse, and it's the wages of sin. Now, I get something, I've earned something, deserve something because of the fact that I'm a sinner, and what is, what are, who's a sinner in here besides me? All right, thank you. All right, now you that didn't raise your hand. I'm kidding. Here we go. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not one. Our righteousness is as filthy rags, right? The very best that we can do when we put it before God is as filthy as what that word is actually referring to menstrual rags from the Old Testament. That's the very best that we can do. And that's not good enough, is it? The wages of sin, and we're all sinners, we've earned to deserve something, is what? Death. What is death? Death is separation. If I died today, that would separate me from you. But this is separation from who? God, and that means where? Hell. Now that's a pretty sad state to be in, isn't it? We've earned and deserve something because of the fact that we're sinners and every single one of us are, and what we've earned and deserved is death and hell. But some of the, the best words in all the scripture are those little ones, and it's this one, but, whoo, praise God. I don't have to get stuck on that side of wages of sin is death. But what's a gift? Somebody gives you something. Why? Is it the law that you get it? Have you earned it? Have you deserved it? No, they give it to you because they love you. The gift of who loves you? God. What is the gift that God gives you? Eternal life. Well, if death is separation from God, then life is being with God. If death is separation from God, and that means hell, then life is being with God, and that means heaven. Exactly. But now here's our dilemma. The wages of sin is death. We're stuck on that side. But the gift of God is eternal life. How do we get from here to here? It's the rest of the verse. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He becomes a bridge for us to go from wages of sin as death to the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Has that ever happened to you? A lot of people would say, no. I've been to church. I've done all the right things, but I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. You would be amazed. Let me tell you something. One time when I was uh, employed with a church in Dublin, Georgia, we went through a revival, and guess who got saved? The pastor. Now, if you don't think that won't shake your foundation, that shook me. I was in my 20s. I will never forget. I rode around. I was single, y'all, so I could do this. I rode around all night probably one o'clock in the morning, trying to rationalize this in my head. That man had been in the pulpit preaching God's word Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. People were getting saved, but he was not saved himself. You never know. So we have to have a personal relationship with the Lord. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by being a deacon. No? No? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by being at church every time the doors are open. No. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It's the only thing that will get us from there to there. Relationship with Jesus Christ. So, what do we do? When we become a Christian, how are we to hear god well i learned something in experiencing god many 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 years ago that by the way that's a a study course experiencing god okay and one thing one thing they said was god speaks people ask me all the time how do you hear god how do you know god's will well god speaks by the holy spirit through the bible prayer circumstances and the church to reveal himself his purposes and his ways i learned that i committed that to memory and i have seen that happen God speaks how by the Bible so we seek God through his word what does Psalms say 119 15 and 16 says meditate I delight in your decrees I will not wait a minute I can't see that far I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways and then verse 16 I delight in your decrees I will not neglect your word so we go to the scripture For God to speak to us. He says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Have you ever heard that phrase before? Where? Vacation Bible school. I pledge allegiance to the Bible. We learn little stuff when when we're three years old. But that's big stuff, y'all. That's not little stuff. Psalm 5.3. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. Psalm 63, verse 6 through 8. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. You know what? I have people come to me often and they say, I'm so anxious, I'm so full of stress, and I'm losing sleep, and I ask them this question. What is it that's on your mind when you lay your head down on the pillow at night to go to sleep? What is it that's there? Well, I'm thinking about everything I've got to do the next day. Well, I'm thinking about that, um, bounce, check I ha- Ooh, that bounce check I had today. I- I'm thinking about um, the argument that I had with my wife, and this. is no wonder we don't sleep. When you go to bed at night, you meditate on God's word. See what happens. Think of God through the watches of the night, like that scripture says. Because you're my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. You know what I, what I visualize myself doing at night? Uh, when I lay down and I go to sleep, I cross my arms. I can't sleep on my stomach for some reason. I think I get dizzy. <laughs> I can't sleep on my back. Because then I go to snoring and my wife kicks me out of the bed. So what I do is I lay on my side and I cross my arms and I just pretend God's hugging me when I lay down at night. And believe it or not, that goes so far in relieving stress and anxiety and and doubt and all of those things. Okay, So we seek God through his word. Number two uh, in our relationship, we place our trust in the Lord when facing trials and difficulties. Now listen to this. 1 Samuel 17. Again, this is about David. He was a man after God's own heart. What did he do? It says, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head this very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel now if that's not confidence in God I don't know what it is we were singing just a minute ago this is my confidence absolutely we do not have to be shy we do not have to be afraid We do not have to fear anything when we have a relationship with God. Don't be afraid of COVID. Be very aware, be very conscious, do what you're supposed to do. Take care of yourself, but don't you dare let Satan make you scared to death or something like that, that God has control over. I believe it with everything within me. Now, let me share with you some personal testimony of where I've been. When, when i think of of how i have to trust in the lord when facing trials and difficulties when i was 50 no not me when my mom was 54 years old she was diagnosed with something called alzheimer's disease 54 now i'm 63 now when i got to 54 i said thank you god That you've gotten me this far and I'm okay my we watched my mom go down and down and down finally when she was 59 my father had to place her in a nursing home I'll never forget that as long as I live I went to the nursing home with him that afternoon and i watched him literally torn in half and that night after he left her at the nursing home by herself he had a heart attack he called me at two in the morning he said Al I need you to come to my house. He said, I think I'm having a heart attack. I called 911, got them over there, rushed over there, and found him there on the floor. Uh, He had had a heart attack, got him to the hospital, 6.30 in the morning. I left him in ICU, and I drove down the street to the nursing home where my mother was, and I walked in to see her, and she had a, a terrible look of fear on her face. She was tied in the bed, and I said, God, why in the world are you doing this to me? We don't deserve this. This is not fair. My mom was not necessarily tied in the bed. She was restrained with a restraint that was for her protection. Now I understand that. Then nobody had told me about that. Six months later, at the age of 57, my father passed away. He couldn't take it. So all of a sudden, I became the primary caregiver for my mother. And it was day by day by day by day. I said, God, what do I do with this? God, what do I do with that? God, what do I do with the other? I really can't take this. Well, somebody came by, actually my pastor came by that day after my mom went to the nursing home. And he shared with me a verse, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, that says, For my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. But as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. He said, Al, I know you feel like God has left you. I know you feel like you can't take one more step he said but you got to know God's in control of this and where you're on the street and you see this stuff one event at the time you don't you forget what's gone you don't know what's coming he said God's on top of the highest building in town and he's looking over that parade and he sees it from beginning to end and everything in the middle he knows where it's been and he knows where it's going trust him and as I trusted God all of a sudden I was sitting in church one day and this was maybe months later and and um the pastor was preaching a sermon and he used this verse of scripture that i don't think i'd ever heard before and and honestly i'm not even sure it had anything to do with the message i cannot tell you what he preached that day but i can tell you this verse second corinthians four sixteen to 18 it says therefore we do not lose heart though outwardly we are being renewed we are though outwardly we are wasting away inwardly we are being renewed day by day For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all so we fix our eyes not on what we see but on what we don't see because what we see is temporary but what we don't see is eternal look how that fit my situation so beautifully unbelievable that god would speak to me that way so time went on and i got better and later on my uh, father-in-law was diagnosed with cancer He was 65. He was diagnosed on February the 15th. He died on March the 24th, just two or three weeks later. We didn't know what to do with that. He died on Wednesday morning. We buried him on Friday morning. And Friday night, my house burned down. I said, God... All that time, I put my faith and trust in you, and now you, here you are leaving me again. So I don't I don't understand this. So, I happened Friday night, midnight, a little bit after midnight, pouring down rain that night. And um, I was supposed to sing in church the following Sunday. It was in March, and we were doing our passion play. And um, I had a lead role, I was a narrator and dressed up in a Pharisee (laughs) getup. And uh, was supposed to sing a a solo with the choir. And I called my minister of music that Friday, we were supposed to sing on Sunday, and I said, I just don't think I can be there. We've had a death in our family, and our house is burned to the ground. We're homeless, we're clothesless, but we, we do still have our lives. So, even though I called him and told him I wasn't coming, I went anyway. And when we got there, he allowed me to stand up and sing. And I sang a song that morning, Tommy. It said, darkness around me, sorrow surrounds me. Though there be trials, still I can sing. For I have this treasure. My God reigns within me. I am determined to live for the King. I am determined to be invincible till he has finished his purpose in me. And nothing shall shake me for i'll never for he'll never forsake me i'm determined to live for the king that's all fine and good praise god had spiritual highlight of my life but three weeks later my pastor came to me and he said al did i tell you what happened that morning that you sang that song and i said no sir what happened he said well there was a 19 year old boy in the service that day that came up to me afterwards and said, I don't know what that man has, but I want it. And that 19-year-old boy got saved that day. And I said, praise God! But did you have to burn my house down to do it? (laughs) And I said, praise God anyway. Let me share something with you. Every single thing that happens to us is number one, for God's glory. Everything. And number two, for our good. Praise the Lord. Wow. Romans eight twenty-eight says this: All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. You know what verse twenty-nine says? And nobody ever knows verse twenty-nine, but it's probably the most important part. It says, "For therefore, whom He did foreknow, He did predestinate to listen, become conformed to the image of His Son Jesus." Romans 8, 28, all things work together for our good, verse 29, because he's in the process of making us into a little Christ. Praise the Lord. So what is your relationship like with him? Do you trust him? The number three thing is this. We must have a strong desire to obey God. I hope that's the case for you first samuel 24 says this i love this story one of the most unusual stories i've ever seen in scripture you're going to be amazed i don't know if you've ever heard this or not first samuel 24 listen to this after saul returned from pursuing the philistines he was told you know what that i gave scotty the wrong maybe i didn't bear with me again i can't see back there After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there. Now listen to this. And Saul went in to relieve himself. That's what Saul was doing in the cave. He was, the Greek word for that is pooping. (laughs) He came, uh, this was Hebrew, wasn't it? This wasn't Greek. (laughs) (laughs) This is Old Testament, okay. So, he came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave hiding. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. They were telling him, go on up there while he's busy busy and kill him. David crept up unnoticed. Look at this. And he only cut off a corner of Saul's road. So he could say later on, "Uh yeah, gotcha, instead of killing it. Afterward, David was conscience stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul, and Saul left the cave and went his way. Now, what in the world does that have to do with anything? Saul was in the cave relieving himself. The the, the world was telling David, kill him. God was telling David, don't kill him. He's my anointed right now. And David obeyed. Now what did that look like in this world? What is it that God has told you to do that you have failed to obey? I can't speak for you. I can only speak for me. But back in 2007, God told me To start a counseling ministry I did it and I was pastoring a church in 2005 and they wanted to keep me in the office from 8 to 5 and it was very a very rural church if you went to that church it was on purpose you didn't stumble on this church So I sat out there eight to five, day after day after day. And if my car was not there, I was gotten on to by the deacons. So while I was there, I said, I'm going to put my time to good use. And I went back to school. And I got my counseling degree online from that little tiny church out in the woods. I started a counseling ministry. People started coming from all over, and guess what my deacons told me then? They did not want me counseling people. They only wanted me sitting in that church day after day after day, twiddling my thumbs, preparing a sermon, and that was it. They, if, if I started counseling people, they got mad. So in 2013, after all this time, They told me that I was not doing what they had told me to do. See, what I was doing was obeying God. But sometimes that comes at a price. So they cut my salary by $18,000. Because they could no longer afford to pay me. Because since the deacons were all mad, they gave all their money to the building fund. And you can't use designated funds for anything except what they're designated for. So they couldn't pay me. I said, well, bless God, I'll quit. And I did. And I started a full-time counseling ministry. God has led me through that. And in 2018, we did one of the most crazy, one of the craziest things you could ever think. We packed our bags in our 50s, late 50s, and moved to Blairsville. Because God told us to. And we started a counseling ministry here. And I want to tell you something. Three years later, that counseling ministry is thriving. Hundreds of people. Have been helped through that counseling ministry, and I'm not please understand. That's not me that that only comes because we obeyed God it's not me and Then we started a corporate chaplaincy ministry and you know There are people in panel built, and there are people at chick-fil-a and there are people for North Georgia tax solutions that hear the word of God now because of that and Now we're about to start a drug and alcohol uh, recovery center and even that was discouraged. I was discouraged in doing that. And I don't know what's going to happen. I, I'm going to tell you what my wife has retired from her job. I could only pay her at the counseling ministry half of what she was making. Half. But it took it all. So we're trusting God as we move forward to provide for us. Now I can't sit down with pen and paper and tell you, well, look, God gave us thousand dollars here. God gave us a, a ten thousand dollars here. God gave us this over here. All I can tell you is God's provided. That's all I know to tell you. Now I don't know if that means He makes our groceries go further, or He lets us not get sick, where we have doctor bills, or if He takes our gas and pours and when we pump gas at the gas pump, He pumps twice as much in. I'm not sure what He's doing. But I can tell you, he's doing it. Now, we've only been at this for a week. So far, so good. I ain't lost no weight from missing a meal. I'm trusting God. So, we've obeyed God. We have a strong desire to obey God. Now, number four, I got to hurry here. We also demonstrate a spirit of humility. Second Samuel 7 18. This is King David again. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and he said Who am I sovereign Lord and what is my family that you have brought me thus far? How has God brought any of us to the point that we're I don't look out there and see a single one of you that looks destitute God has brought us this far God has brought harmony grove baptist church this far this is one of the most beautiful facilities in all of union county and when i walk in the door and i sit right here on the corner i'm able to worship in freedom you know what i've been told in scripture where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom liberty and i experience that here god has brought you this far Where is God ready to take you? Don't get in His way. Demonstrate a spirit of humility. Philippians tells us in chapter 2, verse 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. What's the song say, Lord? I'm, Lord. It's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. <laughs> to know me is to love me. I don't remember the rest of it, but I do remember that that's not humility. It's a far cry. What is humility? I I personally think humility is summed up in the verse. He must increase, and I must decrease. That's been my favorite verse for the last several months. Because in and of myself, I am so, such a big fat zero. But in light of God's word and God's relationship with me and my trusting him and obeying him and all those things, I'm that, that, that's that's me, but it's not me. It's God in me. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what it's all about, folks. I'm going to close with this one. Number five, we demonstrate the spirit of a servant. What is your spirit when it comes to servanthood? I'm going to take you and I'm going to read to you another story about David. And this is probably one of my absolute favorites about David. It's about David and a guy named Mephibosheth. Now say that three times over fast. How many of y'all have ever heard of Mephibosheth? One or two of you. Okay, I can't wait to tell you this story. Verse 9, David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now let me stop there and remind you. Jonathan and David were like that. Two peas in a pod. They loved each other they had the godly example of an intimate relationship between godly men and it was awesome there was one little kink there jonathan's daddy was saul and he was trying to kill david that causes a problem so anyway what happened well jonathan and saul died both of them died well guess what David came into power when a king comes into power what he was supposed to do was kill Everybody from the last regime so that nobody would ever threaten the throne Well, Jonathan had a son and His name was Mephibosheth But David went against the law he went against the rules the expectations of killing everybody and he Let's pick up again in this in the scripture now there was a servant of saul's household named ziba they summoned him to appear before david and the king said to him are you ziba at your service he replied the king asked is there no one still alive from the house of saul to whom i can show god's kindness he wasn't going to kill him he was going to show him kindness well ziba answered the king there is still a son of jonathan he is lame in both feet you see the the handmaiden the, the nursemaid had been carrying Mephibosheth as a baby, and she dropped him, and it made him lame. He could not walk. So where is he, the king asked. Ziba answered, he is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. What do you think was on Mephibosheth's mind? this guy is fixing to kill me he's fixing to put me out in front of a firing squad he's going to do what some of the middle eastern people do from time to time and slit my throat that's what mephibosheth was thinking david said mephibosheth at your service he replied don't be afraid david said to him For i will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father jonathan i will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather saul and you will always eat at my table mephibosheth bowed down and said what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me then the king summoned ziba saul's steward and said to him i have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to saul and his family You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. The man who was supposed to die when David became king instead was shown grace and mercy and was given a seat at the banquet table. Now, how awesome is that? Isn't that a picture of what God does for us? We only deserve to be killed. We only deserve to be destroyed. We only deserve to be punished. But God shows His grace and mercy and says, Come on in and sit down at my table. Now, here's a question for you How likely are we to show that same grace and mercy to others? I need your prayers. I'm gonna be blatantly transparent with you today. This addiction program we've got going, I'm very nervous. I'll tell you why. My sister was an addict. She was alcoholic. She was bipolar. She was married six times and live with three men every bone in her body was broken from abuse and i for some reason cannot get she's passed away now i cannot get that picture of my sister out of my mind my dad was an addict i'll tell you something that was just really it's really disturbing and it and it affects me every time I say this but my dad would sit on the toilet for two or three hours at the time while he was sticking needles in his arms and his hips and getting high I can't get that picture out of my mind but what I'm trying to do is overcome that picture with a picture of Mephibosheth who is lame from birth and given a seat at the king's table. I'm trying to find a new picture. My dad, even though he was an addict, accepted Christ at one time in his life. And I have to believe what the word says, that even though he veered off that track, he still was saved. I don't understand it. I just did believe it and accept it. I got a picture of my dad in heaven my sister prayed to receive Christ one time she was saved I think we're going to be surprised when we get to heaven anyway and I have this picture of my sister sitting at God's table trying to get that how am I going to do when I see people come in and, and do the same things that my relatives did they still need grace and they still need mercy they still need love And that doesn't come to us naturally. I think it's only a gift of God that helps us love other people like that. What about you? How do you love other people? Is it like that? So you say today, all right, Al, I want to be a man after God's own heart. I want to be a woman after God's own heart. So let me remind you to demonstrate the spirit of a servant, Demonstrate a spirit of humility. Have a strong, passionate desire to obey God. Place your trust in the Lord when you're facing trials and difficulties. But above all else, make sure that you know, that you know, that you know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this opportunity to share your word. Lord, I pray that somehow that you would take these feeble, confused, messed up words that I have stood here and proclaimed today and that you would add your grace and your mercy to them and make them perfectly, completely understandable to whoever needed to hear this today. Father, I pray that as we examine our hearts and our lives before you, that we would make sure that we can be called a man after your own heart. Doesn't mean we're going to do everything right. Doesn't mean that we're never going to make a mistake or that we're never going to sin. What it does mean is that we have a relationship with you where we can be restored from that. We can be renewed from that. That you will pick us up and brush us off and send us on our way. Father, I pray for this congregation today, Lord, that you would minister to them as you've ministered to me through this message today. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. Would you stand to your feet, please? Brother Tommy's gonna lead us in this invitation. If there's a need in your life this morning, I'd invite you to come to this altar. I don't think we use the altar enough. If there's a need in your life and, and you need to pray with somebody about that, I'm sure there are a number of people in here that will be willing to pray with you or for you. I'm here to do that same thing be honored to take your hand and pray for you. And if you don't know Jesus, by all means, let us know that so that we can introduce him to you today. Tommy, would you lead us?